Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. She and I are going to talk today uh, for this podcast episode of Elder Law Issues about beneficiaries. One of the things we do a lot of at Fleming and Curdy is special needs trusts. We're very involved in the special needs community, and a lot of the trusts that we create have beneficiaries who have some sort of a disability. But Elizabeth, um, that's not the only reason to put restrictions in an account. A lot of beneficiaries who have no disability are nonetheless just not very good with money. Do you have some good illustrations of the kind of person that we might have a more restrictive trust provision to govern? Well, I do, Robert. I I know that you and I meet with people every week and they're embarrassed to admit that they have a son or daughter, maybe a grandchild, maybe a spouse that is not good at managing money, who may have alcohol or drug addiction, may have mental health challenges, or just may not be able to balance a checkbook. And they come in and they're not sure what to do because the person is smart. person may be working, um, an active member in the community, but they're just concerned about that loved one's ability to manage the funds that they'll inherit. We talk about why that is. And oftentimes, one of the solutions is to create a trust plan that will make a distribution into what we might call a subtrust a trust that would be created upon the person's death for the benefit of the son or the daughter or the niece or the nephew or grandchild who has problems managing money so that there's no trust created today but in the future and we talk about who could be trustee of that trust for the benefit of the beneficiary what some of the provisions are robert you mentioned that we can make them restrictive we can but i think most of the time spending time discussing who to appoint as trustee, whether it's a family member or friend, a private fiduciary like Fleming and Curdy. What we try and do is create some flexibility to that plan. Because if the person is an active member of the community and owns their own home, can pay their own utility bills, and the role of the trustee is to lend support and help create a sustainable long-term plan for the beneficiary, we probably don't want very restrictive provisions. In fact, we might want to have some pretty discretionary provisions that would allow the trustee to distribute both income and principal, maybe distribute a third of the trust outright to the beneficiary at some point. We can talk about those kinds of things and continue to allow the person to be independent, have autonomy. It's not about punishment or shame when I talk to people about beneficiaries who we might identify as spendthrifts. So let's let's talk about that word spendthrift. Among estate planning professionals in our practice and, and other offices, when we talk about these trusts that may give broad discretion to the trustee, we almost always refer to them as spendthrift trusts. Does that mean that you have to be a spendthrift in order to qualify to have such a trust? And, and what is spendthrift anyway? Well, first of all, Robert, no, you don't need to be a spendthrift to have a spendthrift trust. Second of all, when I think of spendthrift, one of the things that I think about is somebody who gets money and then just spends it. They might spend it on themselves. They might spend it on other people. They might spend it on trips or homes or clothes. But 
the end result is that they don't have the money. They don't have the money that was in their pocket and they don't invest it and they're not able to save it. And so when we think about the kind of plan to create for somebody like that, we also need to think about creditors and what may happen if that person has a habit of overspending, of living outside his or her means, and may have really significant debt. You know, it's something that we see pretty often, and I, I'm startled a little bit every time I do, is a person who really needs a trust in order to manage their money, not because they spend too much, but because they won't spend anything. And that's another possibility for what is usually called a spendthrift trust. You're putting some of the decisions about whether to purchase services in the hands of the trustee rather than the beneficiary, so that a, a carefully selected trustee can go out and purchase clothes, vehicle, food, whatever it is that the beneficiary won't spend on themselves, the trustee can actually purchase and deliver those things. I don't mean to make it sound like they're Amazon and they're just going to drop off boxes. Obviously, the trustee needs to be involved in their life as well. But, uh, but that's actually a way fairly often to get to make some certain guarantee that things will, in fact, be spent for the benefit of the beneficiary. Have you seen those folks who just won't spend, they just can't bring themselves to spend money and they hoard it to their own detriment? I do, Robert. And one of the things is when we work with people like that, to let them know that, A, they shouldn't be ashamed that there is some money to help provide for them. There's often a lot of shame in, in wealth and what inheriting some wealth means. We try and make them understand that their privacy is one of our paramount goals when we're acting as trustee, that nobody needs to know what money they've inherited. And we also try and have a conversation with them about what we can do to help, if they want, if they're open to it, help provide for a better, stronger quality of life and allow somebody to really maintain their independence and their privacy. We work with many people, Robert, who I might identify as spendthrifts, who simply don't like getting out of their house. They don't or they can't. Um, they may have fears about being in the community. So when we talk about spendthrift trust, there's really a quite a broad uh, spectrum of people that this might apply to. I, I will say, though, that when we sit and meet with folks and one of the solutions that we come up with is a trust plan that will help provide for somebody that they may be concerned about down the road, there can often be some embarrassment about putting funds in a trust for the person rather than simply giving the person a check outright from the estate. And what I explain to people is if you have the right terms in the trust and you've selected a trustee who's up to the task, that doesn't mean that there won't ever be a check from the estate. In fact, there could be regular checks that would go right into the person's bank account. But the more important discussion to have is creating some structure around it so that the person either doesn't just sit on the money or spend it all at once. You said something uh, a moment ago, Elizabeth, that is really uh, key to all of this, and that is how can you improve the quality of life of the beneficiary of your estate? And if the answer is somebody else needs to be in charge of making decisions about spending and managing the money and investing it and, and making sure that it actually gets used but gets used at an appropriately slow pace, uh, if that's what it takes to improve the quality of life, that ought to be your consideration in preparing your estate plan for that beneficiary. And I think we also need to remember that this is not a punishment. 
So many people say, well, I feel like I'm going to be punishing my son or my daughter because she's not going to get her inheritance outright. And what I try and say is, actually, it'll probably be a little bit of a relief because she won't have to deal with a tax return for the trust. She won't have to deal with how to invest the funds. She can be engaged in those conversations, and we hope that she is. But it'll actually probably be a load off because she's busy doing other things. She's busy living her life and and managing her family and her responsibilities at work. Actually having somebody help her with this management will probably be a load off of her mind. Well, food for thought. Please talk to us about these issues when you come in to see us about your own estate plan. Don't be put off by the term spendthrift trust. It isn't a judgment. It isn't uh, something that you you or your beneficiary need to feel guilty about. It's an attempt to try to make things more efficient and, once again, improve their quality of life. That's what we're all about here at Fleming & Curdy PLC in Tucson, Arizona, an, an estate planning and elder law firm consisting of several lawyers, including Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, who I've been talking with. I'm Robert Fleming, and we hope that you will join us for the next issue of Elder Law Issues. Thanks.